You are listening to the Live Better Show with Brett and Jason, where we dive into life crushers, changing their game, talking about wellness, and sharing a message of putting plan into action. Live Better is based on five pillars. Move better, eat better, think better, give better, and live better. We move for freedom, to do and go where and when we want. We practice good nutrition to combat an age of being overfed and undernourished. We practice mindfulness for ways to live purposefully. We give better as the basis for why we do anything at all, especially when focusing on the health of our clients and community. And at the intersection of it all, we live better. Health and wellness is the sustainable fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. Our guests share their story, their mission, and the pursuit of having the best day ever every single day. Hey! Turn up, bitch! (laughs) Today's sponsor of the Live Better show is Hyperice. At Hyperice, their mission is to provide athletes with a set of tools that improve performance by accelerating recovery time, preventing injury, and enhancing the body's ability to move more efficiently. All Hyperice products are developed and tested to meet the standards of the world's best athletes. Vibrating foam rollers and balls, the best ever. We simply cannot get enough of the Hypersphere and Vipers. We use them before and after every training session we complete, whether that's for running or rock climbing. We are also lucky enough to provide you with the best discount code ever. Use the code LIVEBETTER20 for a 20% discount off the site. We are here with Dr. Jacob Harden. Super excited to have you on the show, Dr. Jake. How's your day going? It's going great. Just got off to a good start, went, on, went in early, got a workout in, did a little work, and here we are with you guys. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. So um, let's just uh, give our audience a little bit of um, insider information about what exactly you do. Um, obviously, people know you from your Instagram videos, um, the amazing stuff you're putting out, helping people get back. But let's talk about just day-to-day, what you're doing, what you're up to, and then we'll start to dive deeper into some of those areas. Sure. So day-to-day, I am a doctor of chiropractic uh, running a clinic out of uh, a little suburb north of Orlando, Florida um, called Myo Detox Orlando. And kind of a sports-based practice, very exercise-heavy. Um, and so just you know, treating patients day in, day out. Um, and doing that thing, also kind of obviously doing the social media that you know, a lot of my following knows me for. And, you know, that's just kind of, that's me just kind of, you know, on that constant kind of, that grind. <laughs> that's awesome. So what, uh, what are some examples of some of this, the, the patients that you are treating? Um, obviously, a lot of the stuff you're doing is for people coming back from an injury, but I also know that you're preaching for doing things to not get injured. So who comes in to see you um, um, on a daily basis? Um, it's a mix of both. I mean, it is definitely skewed towards the injury recovery side of things over all else, uh, just the nature of being in practice. Uh, but so I see, I see a lot of sports injuries. I see a lot of overuse injuries where, you know, low back pains, shoulder pains, rotator cuffs, knees, that kind of stuff. Um, from more of what I call a prehab standpoint to that pre rehab, trying to keep you kind of reducing your injury risk as much as possible. Um, yeah, I get a good number of those as well, just people that want to stay healthy. And that's more of a, I would say an educational kind of session, really teaching people kind of principles of what really matters, um, what they need to be doing, 
full assessments of body mechanics and stuff like that, um, and making sure that they're moving well. So if somebody comes in for the first time, um, obviously they're probably going to come in with some type of condition or are at risk for something and they know that, but uh, what does your assessment process look like um, just for like a general client that's coming in and we can sort of artificially create a condition if you need one? Yeah. No, no. I mean, um, you know, my, my assessment process is it's pretty standardized at this point being three years into practice, but you know, it always starts off with me just talking to my patient and getting to know them. Um, uh, obviously, like we get, we have a, you know, have an intake questionnaire and stuff like that to where I have a, a decent idea of what they have going on. Um, but I really want to get deeper into that about what, how it's more, how their pain is affecting them, how this condition or whatever is affecting their lives, what their goal is going to be, how they want to get back to, um, some certain activities. And so we start with that. Um, and there's that aspect of it. And then I'm also just kind of looking for pain triggers, uh, things that tend to be aggravating for them because that's things that I like to chase in my assessment. Um, trying to figure out what the limitations are. Then we'll get into a full movement based assessment and see kind of just one, how they're moving just body weight, what's their coordination look like more than anything else. Um, and then if necessary, we'll put them under load and maybe have a bar on their back or add some weight here and there, depending on what the injury is, because we have a full gym in the clinic and have the ability to do that. Um, and then once we kind of have that good movement picture, we'll then move into some more isolated kind of um, like orthopedic testing and really kind of bring everything together and confirm some of what we saw with movement, kind of shift our thought process a little bit with some of the things that we saw um, and just kind of refine the, the thought process as far as what we're going to do with treatment that day. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's super interesting that you, you go through and you kind of just assess what the, what the person has, what they're, what, what they're going through. Let's, let's take it to a specific example and let's start with, let's say the most, first of all, what's the most common injury that you're seeing? Um, and then let's talk through maybe like the first two or three sessions with them. And then I want to get a little bit deeper into, into that as well. Right. So the most common thing that I'm seeing um, is probably some chronic low back pain. Uh, that's probably, that's the number one thing that I see, especially being a Cairo. Um, two would be shoulder, three would be knees, um, more like patellar tendinitis and stuff like that, rotator cuffs. Uh, but take a low back, for example. Um, I will definitely talk to them for quite a while just because low back pain tends to have a lot of psychological kind of stress issues that can come along with that too. And we need to make sure that we're getting the full picture of where this person is in their life and how long they've had it and how it's affecting them and everything. Um, once we have that, there's a lot of education and reassurance that goes on. Just letting people know that things are going to be okay. We're going to be able to get to the bottom of, you know, finding some things that they can improve upon 
and so that you know they can start to move past this. Um, and that really sets us up for a good session because then we're just we're all on the same page. They're breathing, you know. They're, you know, relaxing a little bit, and it just makes everything better. Um, then, from we jump into our movement standpoint, and with that, I would do. Um, if you're familiar with like an SFMA top tier assessment, I do a lot of stuff like that, where I would, you know, touch your toes, bend backwards, rotate, kind of really just move the spine, see what it's, uh, see if anything is triggering there. We go through squatting, lunging, hinging, uh, overhead type movements, pressing, rowing, all those, and um, see just how it handles that, uh, what the coordination looks like. If we need to get somebody under a bar or have them do some deadlifting or something, we will. And then I'd probably get them on the table, and we'd be checking for specific kind of, I would say, specific tolerances. So I'll test somebody for how their spine handles compression or shear or torsion um, with some specific testing check the range of motion in their hips, their hamstrings, and all that. Um, and by that point, I have a pretty good idea of whether we have you know, neurological versus mechanical versus how much psychological is playing into all that. And we start to form a good picture about how we're going to attack it that day. Uh, yeah, that, that to me, it sounds like a very good assessment going through. I think you hit on a couple points that, that would be fun to dig into. Uh, it was interesting that, you, you, want. Yeah, that you started with, I think, which is the most important part, um, is how the mental aspect fits into everything. And I say that's the most important part for two reasons. One, like you said, this is a lifestyle decision that you're making. If you want to cure pain, that is a lifestyle choice. That's not come see me three days a week and that's it. You have to then create a protocol that you're going to follow on a day-to-day basis. Also, it affects everything you do. It's not just coming in and trying to be able to squat again. It's picking up your kids. It's opening the door. It's putting something in a cupboard over your head. All of those things add up. And when every single time one of those things hurt, that adds up to just a slew of other issues. So what's super interesting that you mentioned is that you're almost there at the start as kind of like a mental coach too. Um, so how do you deal with somebody, let's go on both extremes, somebody that comes in that goes, I've got lower back pain, but I'm ready to do whatever it takes. And then you've got someone that comes in who thinks that lower back pain can be fixed with just one crack of the back and doesn't understand that this is going to take, you've been doing something wrong for 45 years. It's not yeah. going to take 45 minutes to fix it. It's going to take months, maybe a year of consistent daily effort. How do you attack both of those people? Yeah, so the the first person who's like, I'm ready to go, let's just let's get to this. Like that's obviously an easier case because they've they're ready to make a habit change, right? And that's what it's all about. Is like you have to form some habits, whether that is movement habits or just even temporary. I'd like to make people understand that, you know, a lot of things are temporary and you have to just buy in with me mm-hmm. for a bit. Um, those cases tend to be a little bit more acute. They haven't been, um, they haven't been around as long. They haven't been dealing with their pain as long. So I would say their pain is actually correlated more towards like a tissue damage type of standpoint. And so with that, with that type of person, we don't have to dive too much into that kind of stuff. We can just kind of really 
just jump right into assessment and more mechanical type of things. Um, with that other person who maybe is looking for more of the quick fix, then we have to take some time to just educate them. And education is so key in that, you know, there's, we're, we're kind of conditioned to believe that there's going to be a quick fix for something and that, you know, one, one crack at the back or three times a week cracking the back, whatever. I let everyone know up front that, you know, I'm going to be prescribing exercises. I expect them to do them and that that's what's going to get them results. So I like to usually start most of my sessions with active care before I do any passive care, just because I want them feeling better from the exercise before I ever actually lay a hand on them. And that is a kind of a big thing that drives home the importance of it for that person um, is how we kind of approach the treatment. And so they get that kind of initial win and that good feeling just from exercise alone. And then we can kind of supplement that with passive kind of therapies. Um, Was that something that you have always done or did you develop that? Because when I've seen chiropractic care, I've actually mostly the opposite. It's mostly the opposite, which to me, I'm going to do everything they tell me because I'm a trainer and I, and I understand, okay, they want me to do these exercises. I'm going to do them, but Uh that's an interesting flip from what I've seen. So was that something you developed or was that something you were taught or how did that, how did that come about? Kind of the active before passive methodology. It's something that I've developed for myself as I've kind of gone along in practice. I would say I used to be that more passive first than do active just because that's kind of the natural uh, progression that we're taught in school. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that I was – I think I was reading something about um, – if you are familiar with Dr. Craig Liebenson out in L.A., uh, that he did that active before passive type of treatment – and it resonated with me like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, let's try that. Um, and I've gradually moved towards more active care in general as my treatment. Like, I used to probably be 50-50 and active-passive. And now I'm probably more 80 to 85% active care um, just because I've evolved as a clinician over the years. Um and this is a, something I was talking with my wife about last night, who's also a Cairo. We work together, and we were talking about how the that person who doesn't necessarily – they're looking for that quick fix, right? They don't necessarily want to do a ton of active care. The thing that helps them a ton is getting them to do certain things, like getting them to do an exercise, getting them to stretch or you know, kind of form that daily routine. With that person who is – reared up and ready to go and you know they're just wanting to do they want everything that's that person it's almost more important that we get them to not do certain things yep. <laughs> we have to kind of get them to stop triggering or we have to get them to kind of just ease off a bit and just let kind of just let the process do its thing so hard yeah <laughs> yeah that that's yeah, interesting that so you say that because i um Recently enough, broke my collarbone um, doing right. some fun mountain biking. So I, I saw an amazing therapist in Chicago where we're at. Um, saw a few people, saw a Cairo, saw a therapist. Um, and what was super interesting about it, obviously in the initial stages, it's, it's 90% passive because I couldn't move my arm. Um, but once I got movement back and 
within the first session. So the first session, they had me out of the sling, swinging my arm around, getting movement in. And to be honest, that just being able to swing my arm around felt amazing. Um, and it triggered this thing like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to move. Then as, as we progressed, it, it, the pattern developed exactly like you said. We got into movement and I'm, I'm all about movement. I'm, I'm into as long as you can move, you should be moving as much as you can because it just it does the body good. Um, and I always have preached that. So it was interesting to be on the other side of the table um, because I was recovering from an injury, a severe collarbone break. I have six screws in my shoulder, a big plate in there, like a 12-inch long incision, incision along my shoulder. Um, so mentally that was tough. And then I'm the guy that was like, okay, right when I got out of surgery, the first thing I asked my doctor is when can I do a handstand? <laughs> like I was like, I need to get back to this. Like That's what I do. I like doing handstands. Um, so to me, I had to mentally tailor it back and say, I'm going to take some time here. I am going to switch gears to learn back basic movement patterns. Um, and really, and I, and I went to my, my therapist and the first thing I said to them was, I don't care how fast we get back, but I want to be the best patient you've ever had. Um, and whatever you prescribe, I'm going to do. And what was interesting about that within this, it was about four months ago that I did it and I stuck a handstand three months out was, taking the small steps and seeing the small wins. So one thing that I did, which was really interesting, was wrote down on my first week was what are the things I can't do? Okay, I can't raise my hand. I can't open a door. I can't move my arm down. Obviously, I can't write. I'm left-handed. And then I had I had this journal of things I can't do, and I had things that I want to do. The obvious things I can't do, a handstand was one, um, do an overhead press, stuff like that. And then what I did was I kept a journal of knocking those things off, wearing a backpack, like little things that I do every day that I couldn't do. And I kept that journal of seeing those small wins and that kept me going. And my therapist like loved that. She was like, can I have all those things? The next person I see with this same injury, just to see the small wins along the way. Um, And so I think that was interesting. Like you said, was being able to have that person understand that the small wins go a long way, especially when you're dealing with an athlete or someone that wants to get back to doing something very physical. Um, those small yeah, wins. You know, I, I have the biggest smile on my face right now just because <laughs> I I literally have people make lists like that. <laughs> um, I tell them, you know, I want you to go make a list of everything you can't do right now that causes you pain. I want you to make a list of then everything that you can do and realize how much bigger that list of things that you can do actually is. Mm-hmm. And then we're just going to slowly find a way to just knock things off and move them over onto the other list. And so I absolutely love that. I mean, it's such a, it's such an amazing tool, not only from a perspective standpoint, but also just a psychological standpoint of, you know, promoting positivity through the rehab process. Pain management is, I pretty much dealt with pain from, I don't know, 10 to, probably at least through high school just from like migraines and I had a bunch of like really bad ankle injuries ended up with like double compartment syndrome which I had to have surgery for it's just like chronic pain over time the psychological piece of it especially coming back from it is by far the worst especially if you're somebody who's active which I think is cool that you you have taken a bigger skew towards the the active care mainly because you can't follow everybody around 24 hours a day so so much of this is on their own 
And that's what they're able to do. And when you can say, all right, I made a list. Here's what I can't do, but here's what I can do. Here's what I want to be able to do. It's kind of Brett suggested. Like when you're knocking things off the list, those are things you can work towards on their own. It's not just like, oh, here's an active care program you can do, you know, at home. This will expedite your recovery process. It's like (laughs) most people have a hard enough time just working out in general, much less putting themselves in more pain to relieve other pain. It's just, I think it's, it's, it's really cool to have something to work towards that people can do on their own, like empowering people to solve their own pain problems with you as a guide and as a coach and as a care professional is super powerful with that approach. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just, I see people once a week for an hour and I mean, we have 168 hours in the week. That means that one hour is half a percent of your entire week. Like, how much, I just took the approach of how much change can I really make in a half a percent of your week versus how much can you make in 95.5% of your week? Like, that is, like, and that, that's just, that statistic really, I think, makes it click for a lot of people. Yeah, that gave me chills (laughs) when you said that. (laughs) Half, half a percent. Like, we see people for half a percent of the week. I mean, you just, I mean, whenever you start pushing people to once every two weeks, once a month, I mean, that, that little, that percentage starts going down more and more and more. So you start to realize like you're not making long lasting physical change in a, in a session other than educating them on the things they need to do for the other percentage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. When you look at yourself as a practitioner, a chiropractor, physical therapist, all of the above, what would you say you're best at in that regard? I think I'm best at, uh, from a skill perspective, you know, I I think I'm pretty well-rounded, but I think what I'm really trying to be best at is meeting people in their own reality, and which is just understanding where my where that person in front of me is coming from and where they're kind of at currently because a it's, it's an approach I take in my own in my own life is having self-awareness and not not only just self-awareness to kind of know where you're at but also just self-acceptance and accepting kind of where you're at at the moment and I try and do that with my patients too is just not trying to change them too much or trying to force my paradigm on them. I really try and work with what is coming uh, with that person and where their reality is at the moment and slowly shift them to where they need to be. I think that has probably been uh, my best skill as a clinician. It's funny you say that. I was just thinking about working with my own clients um, yesterday and this morning just a lot and I was coming to some of the same conclusion because at first you get a bit guilty of trying to make everybody like a professional chiropractor you're like you have so much information to give or a professional trainer or a yoga teacher you have so much information to give everybody's not ready to receive all of that in the same way not everybody's at the same stage. Not everybody has the same goals. To be honest, not everyone wants to do that. That's coming towards you. They Absolutely. just want a fix for something. Yeah, exactly like you Definitely. said in their own lifestyle. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I thought about this whenever we were. Um, 
uh, forget who I was talking to. We were talking about uh, the like, do we like get people to even after their pain is gone? Do we get them to you know pass a certain screen or? Well, you have to be able to complete this before you can leave my office from a movement perspective. And I really, and I was telling them how I kind of don't because I, like, I don't have a set, like, I don't know, I guess, uh, exit exam that I make people pass just because I try and meet the demands of their life. And sometimes the demands of their life don't necessarily, uh, fit within a preset system. And so I think that's just so important to remember who you're working with and that it is a person, you know, it's another human being that has a life outside of, you know, the four walls that we practice within um, and just helping them reach their goals more so than reaching ours. In regards to that, that's a really good question. And I think this, this question will go out to a lot of the trainers or people that are in a very similar field to us that work with a client. When you see a client, um, and let's say you're four or five sessions in, so you've already done the initial screening and, and similar to a trainer that says, okay, we've, we've done our baseline testing and we know where our goals lie. Do you then sit back and create, say we're going to see this person two days a week guaranteed for the next two months. They've got an injury. That's what we're going to do to start. Do you then pre-map out your sessions with that client or are you then or do you, on the flip side, assess them how they come in every day? Or is it a blend? Obviously, like you're going to know we're not going to go right to an overhead squat in session three. Yeah. But are um, you really planning it out or are you assessing as they come in? Because I know with my injury, there were certain weeks where my strides were insane. And then there were some where it was like, we're just getting an extra two inches of motion. So right. obviously you couldn't fully plan it out, but kind of just lead us through that process. That's something I'm interested with, with your protocol. Yeah, it's definitely a blend. Um, I have, and I, I always have an idea of where the person's at, obviously. And I have an idea of where I want to go. The, I would say that the process of getting there is very much shades of gray it's not a black and white process, and I don't ever have anything kind of set in stone. I have ideas in my head of what I want them to do. So let's take, we can go back to that low back pain case. Um, let's say that they're compression and shear sensitive that we find, and which basically means that you know heavy loaded barbells on their back and doing deadlifts is going to hurt right now. And but we find in the exam that you know they could they could lunge or that they could pull from blocks or something. Uh, and those become rehab exercises because it's so similar to the thing that is triggering them, but it's what we, I try and find that like that regression that is pain-free, and we just work backwards. Then it becomes kind of a um, just you know putting little puzzle pieces together. So if the person can't necessarily do a barbell squat, but we find that I can have them, you know, do a wall squat. Then, well, the wall squat is something that we can have them do day one. I know I want to get to barbell back squat, and I'm going to have a set like I know I know all my progressions to get from point A to point B, and wherever they're at session to session, we'll just basically run through and see where we where we kind of stop 
um, and how far we can kind of push in each session. So if they come in day one, they can do the wall squat. Day two, they come in, and that's now, you know, it's still challenging, but they're getting there. Maybe we keep them at, keep them at it. Then they can do a, then day three, they're able to squat down to a chair under control just fine. Then day six, we can get them into goblets or something like that. And then finally, we get them up into, you know, maybe a loaded bar, uh, or an unloaded barbell with their heels elevated so they're not leaning forward as much. And we gradually decrease the heel height, you know, and we just take it this little progression by progression. But I have, I try and get an idea of where exactly we're starting, where exactly we want to go, and then kind of map out the progressions that are going to be there in between. But how we implement those progressions is going to be on a day to day basis. Yeah, that I like that how you've got the kind of the shell in your head and then you go through on a day to day because you can see like I said you can see improvements that you weren't expecting but you could also have days that are just just tough. Um if you're looking at let's just let's take a case of just an average individual that um obviously can't come to see you. Maybe one of your Instagram followers for example. Um and they've got an issue. What what would you give them as um, as kind of like a way to get out of pain? Is your protocol go see your local physical therapist, or do you kind of have a um, a protocol that you would send somebody through on their own to try to relieve it by themselves? Like, what would you do to somebody that reaches out to you on Instagram? Because I'm sure it happens all the time, um, yeah. and they're just like, "Hey, I got lower back pain, but I live in New York." Yeah, um, it varies. If I have a therapist within, I would say their region that I trust, um, with, you know, within an hour or two's drive, because I think that a good therapist is well worth that uh, yeah. kind of time investment, then I will say like, hey, go see my guy or go see my girl over here, okay. who and she can take care of you. Um, if that's not an option, then. I would say that my, you know, sometimes I'll, sometimes I will have to say go see a local therapist just because some things are certainly more severe than others. If it seems like it's something that maybe they could start by working on their own, what I would usually tell them is to kind of make that list as like you need to identify everything in your current day to day life and training that are triggering your pain, and you need to figure out how you can modify those movements to make them pain free. Because a lot, you know, pain is a it's a processing issue in that your you know your um, your brain has sensed danger and it feels threatened, so it gives you a pain signal as a way to kind of get you to protect yourself to not do the thing that it feels threatened by. So if we learn to kind of modify our movements. And in a way that we don't trigger that threatened response, then the then we can start to work our way back into those movements because our brain or our nervous system feels safer with them and we become less sensitive to it. So a lot of this is a sensitization issue. So as we become less sensitive just by activity modification, then a lot of times we can work our way back into other movements other movements that used to be painful 
And so a lot of times I'll get people to try that, just kind of making that list um, and working through it. And then if that doesn't work or they feel like they can't do that, then they have to just go see a professional who has the eye to identify that. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense that it gets templated out like that. And I like that you start by kind of self-identification. Most people just don't go through enough of a self-review process. They just want the quick fix uh-huh. instead of trying to address it themselves. Selfishly, I would like to know, I mean, I'm just kind of like always something's going on. Um, yeah. Like a chiropractor's like perfect dream. Um, for the people who are just want to improve kind of like daily movement, do you have any recommendations on things people should be doing every single day? And that could be specific stretch, activation, foam roll, um, deep breathing, like anything like that. It could be specific to a body part a type of like application for exercise or movement, just any type of like daily goal that you promote? Um, the main thing that I try and promote is moving within your current limitations. So if you decide, if you decide that you want to do split squats in your training and, or it's just a daily activity for you, then you need to hone that movement and figure out and and get really really good at it and have good technical proficiency with that. Um, so that's one piece of it is just knowing what you kind of want to do, what your life is going to demand of you. If you, but then also being able to just kind of be variable in your movement as well and just move in different ways. I mean, I don't have a this is the best stretch for everyone. This is the best movement for everyone. I don't think that everyone in the world has to squat if they don't want to. Um, it's just, yeah, I just said I don't really have anything that like everyone has to do because I think that we're all too unique and we're all too individualized in our own goals and our own lives that we have to be able to identify what it is that we want to do and then work our way towards that. Yeah, I think that is actually the perfect response to that because everyone's different. Some people do yoga. Some people deadlift 500 pounds. It's a completely different human. Let's go one specific example. So Jason and I do a lot of running training. So say you've got a, um, we'll say a 15K to marathon runner um, that runs a lot. um, That is definitely deconditioned moving laterally. That can't lift a lot of weight. Um, What would you say would be a warm-up? for their run and then maybe give them a just a a 10 minute morning routine that they should be doing every day cool all right um so first it's going to come down to uh, analyzing that person's like we know that they obviously their endurance is really really good like their work capacity on that level very very good but their their basic strength sounds like it's not all that great so some basic strength training is going to be where it's at for them in that morning routine. Um, I don't necessarily think I would go, uh, I would probably just make the warm up what's going to be task specific. So, you know, hamstring, calf, spine, dynamic stretching type of thing, um, gradually ramping up the speed as they go in the cadence and all that for the actual run specific warm up. But that 10 minute routine on the daily is where I think that 
they should be uh, working a lot in their inline patterns, doing split squat, lunge, that type of stuff. Um, If they can't move laterally all that well, lateral lunging, lateral bounding, that kind of thing. Um, And maybe working some rotational patterns in there as well for them. Um, And also just working on building up some basic strength as in, Hey, I want you to go and buy a 35-pound kettlebell, and you're going to learn how to do a kettlebell, and you're going to do kettlebell deadlifts, progressing your way into some swings every, you know, every morning, and then you're going to learn, and you're going to be doing some goblet squats and stuff like this because we need to build up a foundational strength level to complement all the endurance that you have. It's exactly what I just gave a client yesterday. <laughs> Plus yeah. some push-ups. Yeah. Plus some push-ups. And that's so that's so good. Because this is the thing is that like are, are y'all are y'all therapists coaches no, uh, trainers not therapists yeah. but trainers. trainers yeah okay see this is the thing is that we just came up with the exact like pretty close to being the exact same you know prescription even though that I'm clinician and you're a trainer but that's the thing if we're doing the right thing people shouldn't know what it is that yeah. like who, we they shouldn't know what our degree is yeah yeah for sure. Uh, that, and that, that's super interesting. I think that there's so much good education out there right now and so many good ways to learn the right stuff that as long as you know that and you can uh, give that to the person, that that's what it that's what it's all about. Um, and in regards to that education, obviously your huge platform is is your Instagram. And I mean, throughout my shoulder rehab process, I would just look through your feed and say, <laughs> where's the shoulder stuff I can try and do it. And it was awesome because I was trying to develop those routines as I progressed and your movement patterns are great. So thank you. Because to be honest, like you were a huge help in, in me and I know you it helped a lot of people, but it, it works. So like what you're doing is awesome. Um, so I guess... Let's talk about that. What is what's your number one goal with your Instagram account um, in regards to um, what you're what you're trying to do? The goal is it's always kind of in flux. Um, I mean, to a degree, it's always in flux. There's always a basic goal, which is I want to help one person every single day, um, because I feel that if the information helps one person, it was worth putting up. And so I kind of always keep that perspective for myself uh, because it keeps me from getting too caught up in numbers and statistics and everything else is like, why am I doing this is one, I need to help one person a day with this piece of information. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to be in a position now where I get to help hundreds of people a day or thousands potentially, you know, or I I never even know how many people that that piece of information is going to help. But, you know, as I've gotten more popular, I would say, and more people have started to listen and hear my voice, you know, the goal has shifted a bit to where it used to be about I want to get some patients in my clinic. I want people to understand, like, I have value to bring. And now people kind of know that. People know that I have some value to bring. So now it's more about putting out evidence-based quality information, making sure that we're dispelling some of the old myths that have you know been put out there before dispelling some people's fears getting people to move with uh, less anxiety and just feeling more confident in themselves and realizing that they're not broken and that they 
can get past a lot of the things in their life. Like that's kind of been my goal in this last year was just making sure that that message has always been at the forefront. Um, and then the most recent goal is getting people to understand what the understanding priorities, because we, this movement and mobility world, like we, we're on a pendulum, you know, there was a point six, seven years ago where everything was mobility, right? Like roll, smash, stretch, and that would fix everything. And then we kind of swung the complete opposite direction of, well, rolling doesn't do anything. Stretching is terrible. For, doesn't like, it's terrible. Don't do that. Like just do loaded, just do loaded barbell movements. Right. And that's all you really need to do. And like, I want people to kind of just kind of get back to the middle now and learn what we need to prioritize as far as like, yes, mobility matters, but technique matters. Having a good training program matters, your nutrition, hydration, sleep, all of it matters. Um, and where can we find that balance to help people live kind of, I guess, help them, help them live a life that, you know, like you and I live because we understand how all the, we understand the interplay between, between all these things. Yeah. I think that is, you hit the nail on the head. I love uh, listening to that, that progression that, of thought. Yeah. Because what our business motto is, is utilizing health and fitness together as a sustainable fuel to do whatever you want to do better. And yeah. exactly what you just said. It's not just one thing. It's not just mobility. It's not just strength training, but it's nutrition. It's lifestyle. It's mental. It's all of that. Um, so that that's I think that is amazing. So let's dive into just a couple of specifics about about yourself. Let's talk one about your training program and goals, and then we can get into some other things. So yeah. So my training program. Um, so I'm actually coming off a little bit of a layoff um, just recently. Uh, work got me really, really busy in the last probably two months, and I was really inconsistent with um, my own training. And hey, for anyone listening, that happens. That's life. You're human. Um, get back on the horse as soon as you can. And so that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Um, and so for me, it's getting comfortable with a lot of movements, um, just getting some basic strength back. Um, I'm training just really, really frequently just because the intensities and volumes are pretty low right now. And I'm just trying to get the habit back uh, together of getting in there every morning and training. So that's kind of where my personal goals are at right now is just habit formation. Um, and then as we progress along, I'm going to get back into more um, a blend of strength and hypertrophy type training and Something that I kind of neglected when I was competing in powerlifting was conditioning. So I need to make sure that I bring that aspect of it back into my training. So that'll be making a, making an appearance too, which I'm sort of looking forward to, but sort of not. <laughs> <laughs> Could you walk us through your workout this morning? Sure. Yeah. So uh, this morning was a uh, – I did a back workout. So started with chin-ups, did sets of five, six. Anything um, to warm up? And, huh? Any warm-up? Oh, any warm-up. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, warm-up. Yeah. So warm-up was 
Well, first I start every I start every set every warm up actually starts with a recovery session for the previous day's workout. Love that. So the yes yesterday I did deadlifts. So today I actually started with a bit of some groin and hamstring based dynamic movement to loosen some of that up because I was feeling pretty sore. I pull sumo. Um, and then I went into a shoulder, upper back specific warm up, just used a um, fitness band, did some rowing, some face pulls, some band pull aparts there, probably 20 reps each um, per side. Uh, got and you know, made sure I was breaking a light sweat, getting kind of a mini pump into the area. And from there, kind of jumped into ramping up some of the um, main movements I was going to be doing for the day. Got it. And then can you dive into the uh, workout? Yeah. So workout was, uh, I started with chin-ups and did sets of about five there just because I'm terrible at vertical pulling and I need to get better at it. Um, Then switched over to pull-ups. Did that one, um, three, four sets each on those. Got some volume in with uh, the lap pull down. So today's kind of a vertical pulling kind of day. Um, and then did a couple bicep, uh, just curling movements for higher repetition, volume based training, 10 to 15 reps for a few sets each. Um, and that was kind of it for today. Finished off with. Just a little bit of static stretching on the lats because uh, they tend to be a pretty chronically tight area for me. Um, and then it was time to go to work. So um, I'm lucky that I get to work right there in the clinic or where the gym is. So I was able to kind of just transition from one to the next. Yeah, that's a nice nice combo to have. Do you do any uh, yeah. soft tissue work or like self-myofascial for yourself? I, um, I don't. Not, not really. Um, I used to do a lot more. But as I've kind of progressed over the years, like my whole thought process on a not even a warm up, but just prehab in general, is that mobility is there to basically get you into get you into the positions that you need to train in, and beyond that, like more isn't necessarily better. So I don't do a ton of soft tissue work because I don't really need it for mobility. I have most of the mobility that I really need. And just because I, I go, I go for a lot of walks. I, I'm not a stressed out kind of guy. I eat well, I sleep well, I, all that. I tend to not feel terribly beat up either. So I don't feel the outside of just, you know, generalized soreness, but I don't necessarily feel the need to do a ton of soft tissue work and rolling. Um, not that it's not beneficial if, you know, you feel like you have a really sensitive area or something that needs to be worked on. But for me personally, I haven't had the need in quite a while. Yeah. I think that's cool that you brought that up as a, um, just as much as a recovery tool. Um, especially if somebody's stressed just from it, helping your nervous system calm down a little bit. I think also before sessions, people come in, I see that have, Especially in their lats, yeah, I mean, front of the chest, puts coming you in, in a more parasympathetic state. So, yeah. you know that it definitely can help you get into that more relaxed state. And we know that you know being in a parasympathetic state is going to be better for is going to you know help you with that recovery. So if you are stressed out in that um, you know anxious kind of thing, and you find that rolling is a thing that relaxes you, then by all means, please go for it. 
Yeah, that's interesting because I, I did a lot of, obviously it's different when you're coming back from an injury, but I did a lot of that to get back mobile. But I think now that yeah. I start to feel more mobile, I was doing like a, a lot with my thoracic spine was super tight. So I did a big protocol to loosen that up. But I was literally doing the same thing today that I've been doing. And I was like, I don't really need this that much anymore. I was like, it used to be yeah. like every time I bring my hand over my head, it would crack. But now I was like, like, wow, this isn't like, I don't need to do this three times a day anymore. Like I was, because I feel good. And that's the goal. Like the goal is to put in all that crazy amount of work up front so that you don't have to do it later. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, eventually time is our biggest asset. You know, we only, it's a very finite amount that we get. We don't get any more of it. So don't, wasted on things that you don't need i'd rather just hey get moving get training get strong and you know if you feel like you need something extra or just want something extra do it for that reason but once you don't need it anymore it really just becomes a matter of hey do i like it yeah yeah that's that is that's something everybody needs to know that's super interesting. Um, how is it you mentioned that you work with your wife? How is that? I love it. Yeah, uh, it's great. Um, yeah, so we we met in Cairo school. We were in the same class, and we got married in September of 2014. And right, like we just we graduated in December of 2014. So got married. We went on a week long honeymoon. And like the day we came back, we moved from Florida out to Houston, Texas for a three month internship. Um, then graduated and started looking for a place that we wanted to open up our own practice. And, you know, I always knew going in to school that I wanted to kind of have my own place because I didn't, I couldn't ever see myself in the high volume five minutes with my patient kind of model. And I don't think Monica ever saw herself there either. And so we decided to go out on our own. Um, we opened up our clinic in Lake Mary, which is our little suburb north of Orlando, in uh, May of 2015. And you know, it's just been a it's been a good ride because we complement each other well. Um, you know, I am I was able to start doing the social thing and she's amazing at managing the clinic and we both do our thing with treating um and we can bounce ideas off each other, so that's really good. Um and we're we're also pretty good at like I I would say like leaving work at work, so um that helps. But you know, I love the fact that I get to spend every day with her and see her and because I am a bit of a workaholic, so just getting to have her there um, helps me balance family time with work time. Yeah, that's an interesting thing because that that leads into um, obviously Jason and I and a lot of people that listen to our show are some sort of entrepreneur, whether it's owning your own clinic or running your own business or thinking about doing that. Um, And when you do that, um, it can bleed into the personal life. Like you mentioned earlier, you've been work heavy, so you slack on the workouts. Well, yeah. You can be work heavy and slack in your relationships. Yeah. Um, and like yeah. we mentioned, like everything that you've been t- saying, although we've been talking a lot about movement, about all sorts of different patterns, it's a holistic thing. It's like it's your life. And that was the first thing you said. The first thing you mentioned on this entire episode is how you talk about the mental and the life of the client. 
that comes back to yourself. And when you're assessing people all day long, sometimes it's hard to assess yourself and, and go back and do that. So it's amazing that you just mentioned that you've got your counterpart there, your wife, your business partner to sometimes reel you back in. Um, Jason and I are yeah, both, the, like, both the same way. Know. Yeah. Like, she, doesn't, she doesn't, you know, by no means is she going to hold back on me there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, it's good because it's, it's one of those things that comes back to that self awareness and self acceptance thing is that you have to, you have to take, take note of those things and just understand who you are. Um, because then once you accept who you are, like me, I accept the fact that I'm going to, I'm going to work. Like I'm going to bust my ass. Yeah. So, um, I have, it then lets me form a strategy around the fact that I know that and I can dedicate my family, my relationship time, my own workout time. I can start to hack myself because I know where my tendencies lie. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that we've kept coming back to is self-awareness, um, self-understanding and being okay with understanding that you're not perfect and there's opportunity, um, whether that's from injury or whether that's from anything else. Um, that that's amazing because I love, I love talking to people like yourself that have that understanding and aren't just diving into their specific thing, whether that's their work, their job has nothing to do with physical, like whatever it is. It's just, it's nice to, to see that and, and hear that. Um, I guess we're just going to ask just a couple questions, a little bit broader. Um, if you had, any um, any advice to give our listeners in regards to we'll, we'll narrow it in just a little bit in regards to um, their movement um, and we'll leave movement broad. What would you what would you tell them? Um, Self assess, like educate yourself on what uh, what good movement supposed to look like. Film your own movement. Is probably the biggest piece of rec- the biggest recommendation I can give is just film yourself because you can see a lot of stuff online about well this is what I'm supposed to do but if you never actually take a look at it on your own then you you know you have no way you're just guessing off of feel and feel will lie to you very often so um, get find objective measures. And filming yourself moving or training or whatever is the absolute best way to get an objective look at what your um, movement actually looks like. Yeah, that's amazing. Now let's ask a very similar question, but gear it towards uh, the entrepreneur and business owner. What would be a bit of advice you would give? Obviously, you run your own business. Um, You run a very popular social platform. Um, I'm sure those help each other. Um, what would be some advice you would give to a business owner in any field about running a successful company? Figure out where your clientele is um, and how they are available to be reached because it's different for a lot of industries. You know, my... My clientele are a lot, they're 20 to 35 year olds who want to move better. And so a lot, they're online, they're on Instagram and stuff like that versus, you know, if I was in another business, maybe networking is how I'm going to get my clientele and that's what I need to get really good at. Um, But you need to figure out one, where, 
where the main avenue of, of obtaining clientele is going to be and figure out like, are you, are you really good at being able to get to them or do you need to sharpen your skills somewhere? So like, I'm really good online, but you know, I'm, I can't say I'm the greatest, I've never been the greatest networker in the world. Um, but that's why I do really well online is because I can, I sell a lot better. I do a lot better there. You know, I can't sell to save my life, but, um, so that's one. The other piece is that if you identify your own strengths and weaknesses and you realize that you need something in your business that you don't have the skill for, you need to hire somebody to fill that role. And so if you know, you're, I'll take from a practice standpoint, a lot of doctors don't market very well. And so when they, they hire a receptionist, I usually is the first hire that a lot of people get. A lot of doctors need to be hiring a receptionist that actually is based that maybe has a marketing degree, you know, that can help them on that front because you need to hire employees that complement the things that you can't necessarily bring to the table or that you don't necessarily do that well so that you guys start acting as a team. Yep. Yep. That is, that's such a good, such a good bit of advice. Um, one question, question we ask everybody, and if you need a couple of seconds to think it through, feel free. Um, our motto along with using the, the sustainable fuel of health and fitness is having the best day ever, every single day. Um, Jason yes. and I have jokingly have been saying that for five years now, and it has just blown up. People love it, and it's something that it sounds like you laugh the first time you hear it. You laugh. I sign every email. I, laugh I have the best. I actually, put, I actually put up a post. I actually put up an Instagram stories thing yesterday. It just said like, I hope you guys are having the best day ever. <laughs> yeah, every day. And you should it, put up again today. You should put up again. It's contagious, and once you believe in it, once you really believe that today is the best day ever. And like you mentioned, you've said it a couple times in a couple different ways that we get an opportunity every single day to improve that one hour of your week is such a small percentage that if you take that time to make an improvement, you will do it. Um, let's take a step back and, and what does your best day ever look like? You can set it up tomorrow. You can do anything you want. What would it be? You know what? My best day ever is just that I get to be alive. You know, there's, like, how lucky are we? Like, we get life. We get to run through this crazy up and down of joy and pain and emotion and, you know, and success and failure. And it's you just don't know what the day's ever going to throw at you. But the one thing that, like, I can be pretty confident in is the sun's going to rise tomorrow. And so just the fact that I get to be here is... Like that makes it the best day ever for me. I agree. <laughs> That's yes. awesome. Perfect. Yeah, you get a nice little set of expectations out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Awesome. Well, it's been great. Um, we've learned a lot. We um, we've went through some really cool stuff here, and uh, we just want to say thanks for your time. Um, and you know, I have a personal thank you for you, like I mentioned, of putting out the stuff you do because I was that one person multiple days. Um, and I still am. I, I think if I looked back at my safe Instagram posts, like you're definitely number one, um, with stuff that I look at and I, and I do so. Um, and I, and I know Jason can, can ditto me on that is cause we're like, Oh, did you see Dr. Harden's post about this? We got to try this for, um, for real, for real guys. Like, 
you have no idea how much I appreciate that. Um, and like part of the reason that it's easy for me to be very positive is just, I try and have an immense amount of gratitude about understanding that like you guys are giving me a piece of your time, you know, whether it's just a minute a day or Mm -hmm. multiple minutes a day, you're giving me a piece of your time. And I truly believe time is our, our greatest asset. So, you know, thank you so much for giving me a voice and letting me listen or let, just listening to me and just letting me put my message out there. I really, really appreciate that. We're glad awesome. that you do. Yeah. Well, as we always like to say, thanks so much for your time and you have the best day ever. <laughs> I will. You too, guys. Awesome. Thank you.